Well, allow me, if I may, to uh, kick this off uh, and first welcome uh, Senator Baldwin for joining us today. Uh, Senator Baldwin has been a, uh, a true advocate and champion of the Water Council, the Global Water Center, uh, the companies uh, that make up the Water Council here in Southeast Wisconsin, uh, but much broader has been a real focused on water quality, water challenges, water issues in, in the United States. Um, and it was just talking about some of uh, her travels across Wisconsin uh, recently and, and identifying a number of those issues. So uh, we, we welcome you here to the, to the Water Council today and have a number of our members and, and folks that are interested in the issues that you're uh, thoughtful of. And uh, with that, turn it over to you. Well, thank you. Um, well, I am delighted to get a chance to hear from you. And I don't want to speak too long, but I do want to um, reflect on the fact that it has been a remarkable opportunity to get to work with leaders within the, um, the Global Water uh, Council, here in this building, but the, the Water Council, um, to talk about how um, we can come up with innovative solutions for the challenges that I hear when I travel across Wisconsin. And as Jim just said, I, um, I'm on a bit of a recess now. We won't be um, convening again until after uh, Labor Day, and so it gives me a lot of opportunity to travel around the state. And the myriad issues that I've heard about include everything from um, flooding uh, and um, uh, building more sustainable infrastructure, especially when repairing from flood damage, erosion both on Lake Michigan and Lake Superior, um, certainly contaminants in the water, um, those might be lead, those might be nitrates, those might be um, concerns about PFAS and how that actually becomes, um, how it moves, or does it move with the water, or, you know, we're learning a lot about it still. Um, and a, a wide range of additional uh, issues. Uh, I'm very interested in this discussion today about how um, the federal government <coughs> plays a role in interfacing with um, the various participants in uh, the Water Council. I, I think about the fact that every so often we authorize a big water infrastructure measure. And um, whether that's uh, something um, that is uh, focused on you know, invasive species or contaminants of other sorts, um, I want to make sure that we are creating opportunities for innovators to be a part of that, that we're not just solving um, today's problems with sort of replicas of 19th and 20th century solutions, you know, old pipes replaced with new pipes. Um, let's think about what can help keep people safer, um, what can give us early warning, what can uh, protect uh, the resource that we have and so treasure in the state of Wisconsin. Um, I, I may mention more about it later, but I just wanted to just uh, put a, a point on the measure that I introduced some time ago called the Water Technology Acceleration Act. Um, it's meant to create uh, potential markets. Uh, right now, you probably, if you have an innovation of filtration or a censoring something, and you go to a municipality and say, you're redoing some of your stuff, I'd like to sell you this, <laughs> they might say, look, we only have the budget for 
replacing the pipes. Um, well, again, if we want to get in the 21st century, we have to create markets and create opportunities. Um, some of the provisions of my Water um, Technology Acceleration Act were adopted in the most recent Water Resources Development Act, specifically the drinking water aspects, um, but not the um, wastewater or stormwater uh, components. And so uh, there's more work to do and uh, more grant programs to come up with and try to get through the Congress of the United States and signed into law. Um, so on that note, um, just delighted to have all these experts around the table. <laughs> well, thank you again, Senator. Um, we're very appreciative of your visit and the support uh, for water and water technology. Um, I'm Amy Jensen. I am the Chief Financial Officer and Chief Operating Officer for the Water Council. Uh, Dean Amhouse, our President and CEO, sends his regrets, but he is in China uh, right now and unable to, to be here. Um, I will start with um, just the quick introductions. Um, I'll, I'll make the quick introductions around the room um, and enable you to launch right into to the conversation and discussion. Um, First, uh, to our left, uh, we have Mark Rail, VP and General Manager of Evoqua Water Technologies. Uh, then we have Don Wesdell, President and CEO of ben Baker Manufacturing. Um, the next three at the table are all graduates of the uh, Water Council's Brew Accelerator Program, helping launch new technologies. Uh, we first have Paige Peters, Founder and CEO of Rapid Radicals Technology, Rick Latella with DMR International, President of, um, and we have um, Doug Wong, uh, President of Corn Cup. Uh, then uh, we have Ken Bockhorst, President and CEO of Badger Meter, uh, Steve Lemaire, President and COO of Marlowe Incorporated. Haymanth Shinoy, uh, Global Commercialization Marketing Manager, Applied Markets with Promega. Uh, Sam Cargi with A.O. Smith, uh, Senior VP of North America Water Treatment. Uh, Dr. Jeff Stark, uh, Executive Director, Masters Across Boundaries Program, Opus College of Engineering, Marquette University. And Val Klump, Dean and Professor of the School of Freshwater Sciences at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, with that, I, for the start of the conversation, um, largely because of how uh, much of a champion both Badger Meter and A.O. Smith have been with the Water Council and the whole idea of strengthening this network and knowledge of water technology in southeastern Wisconsin. I would like to um, uh, start with Ken uh, with uh, Badger Meter and um, con kick off the conversation as far as your company and then as uh, the Senator mentioned, the support and the ways that um, we can all work together at the federal and, and local level. Great, all right, well thanks. I'll keep it very brief. I know we have a lot of people with great ideas, but. Uh, Badger Meter, we've been a proud Wisconsin company now for 114 years, primarily on the water metering and flow measurement side. We've been an innovator in the industry. We were the first to put uh, drive-by radios and 
in the, in the home, so, so the companies can do that. We do have cellular radios, so from a technology point of view, rather than bringing the metering information back to the utility three months later by people walking around and knocking on doors and going into basements, now we're transmitting that data every 15 minutes via cell phone transmissions. We think on the water quality side, we have opportunities, whether it be development or new acquisition, to take some of that technology that we already have mm -hmm. and try to be able to bring more online water quality monitoring to the home, to the utilities at the same time. It's something I've been a little bit personally obsessed with over the last year and a half since I've joined Badger Meter. Um, I think we are, we are committed to making changes there. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're personally interested in trying to solve the water quality problem. And just frankly, we're transitioning from being a water quantity to being a water quality and water quantity, uh, quality and quantity company. So I think with that. Okay, great. Thank you, Ken. Um, Sam? Yeah, well, Senator Baldwin, thank you for having this session. We're very excited to be here talking about a very important topic here in the United States, but also in the state of Wisconsin. Much like our friends at Badger Meter, uh, A.O. Smith is called Milwaukee home for 145 years. So. Uh, a long, proud history uh, in, in the state and, and uh, especially Milwaukee. Um, we've been in the water treatment industry for just about 10 years now, um, joining uh, this, this very important industry about 10 years ago. And with that, we saw an oncoming need uh, throughout the country, especially here in the state of Wisconsin, for water treatment solutions. And if you look in the state of Wisconsin, we've got some of the big ones led throughout the city of Milwaukee and many of our communities. You know, I believe the Tony Evers, uh, Governor Evers, spoke of 179,000 lead lines still here in the state of Wisconsin that need to be addressed. In addition to that, we have 880,000 uh, private wells, 20% of which the DNR estimates have a nitrate issue above and beyond the EPA standard limits. So lots of great challenges here in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, we've really focused, as A.O. Smith, on uh, joining along with our partners, uh, being part of the Brew Accelerator here, uh, sponsoring a number of those. We just invested in a, uh, a brand new technology center here in the uh, city of Milwaukee up on the north side. Uh, just opened 10 months ago. We've got 50 engineers working on the latest and greatest new innovations in water treatment. So we're excited to be part of this and help find an industry-wide and nationwide solution. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Promega is a biomedical uh, company uh, based in Madison. Um, and uh, Hemanth, uh, perhaps you can touch on that. I know that you're also working in the area of uh, um, uh, microbial detection in water. Sure. Good morning, Senator Good morning. Yeah, so Promega is not a traditional water company. We've been uh, in Madison for 40 years after being founded by our founder, the classic story, he dropped out of the UW <laughs> to form the company in his garage. Uh, but we've only really become interested in water in the last four to five years. And, and really, the perspective we bring is a very different one. It's a biotechnology perspective. In other words, the tools of biotechnology that we've uh, developed uh, are able to manufacture in Madison and can bring to the market. Uh, those tools were never initially developed for water quality, but what we're finding is there seems to be, from, from talking to people, a real need for more rapid methods mm -hmm. to perform monitoring so that there can be basically data-driven analytics. Um, and in a perfect world, those analytics become predictive. And so we're really trying to bring a fresh set of eyes to some of the challenges of um, contamination in water, uh, mm -hmm. starting initially with microbial monitoring. 
Um, we became members of the Water Council, I think, two years ago, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a great uh, thing for Promega to become part of this new group and also to help continue to strengthen ties between Madison and Milwaukee, um, which is something we also think is very valuable since there are a lot of uh, great uh, knowledge here that isn't necessarily in Madison or at least can supplement them. So we look forward to growing with our new eyes and looking, as you said, at some of the challenges and not necessarily applying the same old solutions. Great. And I think you're generally familiar with who we are. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to um, make sure we included it uh, in the conversation, uh, Baker Manufacturing. So, Don. Um, yes, we've been in uh, Evansville, Wisconsin, getting close to 150 years. And we're not as large as Dale Smith and you know, Badger Meter. We have approximately 200 employees. And uh, you know, we started out as a foundry and then we got into the water systems. But for this group here, we make a lot of the components for the groundwater wells, for residential wells. So we're talking you know, well caps, bitless adapters, torque arresters, and we also do some filtration for the residential wells. So what we're working on new technology, which we don't have, is real-time monitoring of the water as it comes up. Because the municipalities are watching the water for the homeowners, okay? But a residential homeowner on a well, on their own well, nobody's monitoring that water. Now the EPA says, check it once a year. No one's really doing that, okay? They should if they have kids. I hope they are. Um, but no one's really checking it. And so we're looking at some sensors that would be in the line of the well and to you know, let the homeowner know are there heavy metals, bacteria, phosphates, and those types of things. And we're working with the Water System Council with that technology. We're also working with the universities in Wisconsin. We're also working with universities outside of the state. So you know, we're getting close, but we don't have it yet. Great. Thank you. Um, uh, Mark, Evoqua uh, uh, is involved in water in so many different facets. Um, yeah, so, so Evoqua uh, uh, is a global company. Uh, we're actually based out of Pittsburgh, but we have roots here in Wisconsin that go back well over 50 years. We have somewhere around 150 employees here in the States. Um, very broad portfolio tackling water treatment, essentially, or water treatment company. Um, a few areas that are kind of near and dear here in the States, um, we have developed technology for really meeting really stringent phosphorus limits for wastewater treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've got technology we've piloted now and demonstrated in Fond du Lac, Waukesha, and Madison that allows uh, plants to get down to really um, stringent phosphorus limits, 0.05 milligrams per liter, which is about as tight as you see anywhere globally, um, and have some, had some good, really good success with that. That's um, rules that are coming down from uh, the state for municipalities. It is expensive technology, though, right? We've, we've developed technology that I, we think kind of bridges the gap to what is a very challenging treatment goal to be relatively economical, but it's still expensive technology, especially for smaller communities. So that's one thing we're doing. We're very actively engaged, engaged in the PFAS uh, challenge mm -hmm. um, across the country, uh, have a few systems installed and, and um, meeting requirements there. So something else we're following. And also water reuse, water recycle. Again, lots of different needs we see pop up in various parts of the country and around the world where we're deploying technology to meet those requirements. So very actively engaged um, in, a, in a very broad swath of, of uh, technology treatment solutions um, with really a, a, a real nice core team based here in Wisconsin. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, Steve. 
Yes, I'm with, with uh, again. Uh, thank you for the invitation to be part of this. Uh, Marlow Incorporated is in uh, located in Racine, Wisconsin. Been there since uh, 1973. Family-run business. The same family that started the company. A father-son team uh, runs the company today. Uh, we've evolved from more of a household residential water softening business to more of a ins larger institutional industrial water treatment equipment manufacturers. So we're not really, you know, an R&D company. We take existing technologies, the medias, resins, membranes, the things that transform the water mm -hmm. treatment, but we build the hardware structure around it. So that okay. we assemble the tanks, the pipes, the pumps, the instruments, the controls uh, that make that. So we're you know, always on the lookout for new technologies as they develop so we can incorporate them into our products. So we got about 100 people mm -hmm. uh, that work for us, but um, our installations are you know, around the country. And just so I heard you right, what are the range of products? You said water softeners? Yeah, or, okay. we're more, our technologies are centered more around the big four, you know, media filtration, you know, we're removing iron, chlorine from water, sediment, uh, then water softening, just traditional, removing calcium and magnesium. Okay. From water reverse osmosis and other membrane-based technologies. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the fourth one would just be kind of the all-encompassing, where you use resin-based technologies, ion exchange to do other, you know, more advanced removal um, from water, whether it's wastewater or you know secondary water treatment. Okay. Okay. Um, I. Let's uh, turn a little bit to our some of our newest accelerator innovative uh, technology companies. Um, Paige, uh, perhaps you could talk a little bit about uh, Rapid Radicals. And I did want to also mention that you have recently um, been awarded uh, NSF funding. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I can mention that. Thanks again for the invite. Uh, so Rapid Radicals Technology is a wastewater treatment company, essentially. So we are targeting, uh, doing high rate treatment, targeting wet weather flows. Now, essentially, the technology that we're developing can achieve the permit requirements that a typical conventional wastewater treatment plant can in 8 to 14 hours in 30 minutes. And the key with that is that it gives us a chance to do sewer overflow elimination, elimination of basement backups, which again is contaminated sewage in lakes and rivers or in people's basements. So there's huge environmental and public health implications with both of those infrastructure failures and the ability to have the technology with such a small, uh, such a short detention time gives us a chance to have a small footprint so we can kind of implement it at different locations out in a, in a sewer shed and really target the biggest vulnerabilities for a utility so that they can intense, have greater resilience during a storm event. And as our storm events become more intense, less predictable, and more frequent, having that sense of, of reliability of cost effectiveness and of certainty during those events is a really big component. So we, as um, Amy mentioned, we just received a National Science Foundation Small Business Innovation Research Award, okay. which is great and actually uh, couples with grant funding that we received through Marquette University and the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewerage District to essentially build our very first pilot with this technology. So the, the technology itself came out of Marquette University uh, was part of my graduate research working with Dr. Dan Zidmer at the Water Quality Center there. And we're working on our first pilot with the sewage district. So that partnership is really important 
And from a company perspective, it gives us a lot of uh, ability to say that the market wants this and needs it because we have that very first utility partner that we're working with that can support it. And having that partnership is, I think, what gave us a lot of leverage to get that National Science Foundation funding. So that's what we're moving forward with now. And we're um, hoping to see with acts like this and some of the new legislation that's passed related to water infrastructure, that we can see some shift in policy towards innovation and give some new technologies like ours a chance to, to really benefit the utilities in the way that we've seen that they need. Yeah. So Milwaukee's interested in part because they have a combined wastewater mm -hmm. system, is that? Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the big, big parts here. It's a huge challenge across the country. Over 700 cities have overflow issues, not just combined sewer, but uh, the issues with our aging infrastructure. We get mm -hmm. that extra storm stormwater surge during the storm event. So that was one of the big reasons Milwaukee has uh, been a partner of this technology from the beginning. Mm -hmm. From NSF research we received through the uh, research, uh, the Industry University Cooperative Research Center here between Marquette and UWM. That's where this technology came out of. So we've seen the, that um, Milwaukee's been a big partner and has had that interest because of the mine situations mm -hmm. we've seen. Wow. Okay. And that would actually be a nice segue over first to um, uh, Dr. Stark uh, to thank Ma uh, Marquette University as a whole for our use of this space here today and their participation here in the building. Um, but there is a close partnership between many of our entrepreneurs, the Water Council, and both uh, Marquette University and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. So uh, we'd love to... <coughs> Again, thanks for the opportunity, and uh, thanks for letting me follow Paige, because someone has to, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously, coming from a university perspective, we're totally founded right there in the, in the education. So the program, you know, the long title of the introduction, but what we're really trying to do is really focus our graduate programs on the working engineers. So the folks that are out there in, in the hall of southeastern Wisconsin across the college, but you start thinking about the great relationship that we have right here, Obviously, this is a great way for us to export the research into, into the practice that mm -hmm. our engineers are doing to create the innovation and technologies. Um, I think to highlight, you know, we take the approach of all the contaminants and we take the, and then the nexus of what the treatment technology should be. If I were to boil down what, what Marquette is trying to do with our research faculty that are right now in a PhD defense, so that's why I'm kind of here, but um, um, really taking it from industry to utility. So Dan. Uh, as um, Paige mentioned, is really around anaerobic digestion, and so how do we take industrial waste that are high strength and then possibly harness not only safe water, but then the energy that's latent right. and involved in that. And you see that with Potawatomi, and they have that anaerobic digester to create some energy that way. To some of the other contaminants that uh, we've had some nationally published work around Chiclosan and some other antimicrobials, some uh, endocrine disrupting compounds, so things that are on that kind of contaminants of concern list from the EPA perspective that are not necessarily under regulatory guidance. And I think one of the things that we're to highlight at Marquette is um, we run two workshops that have national level traction, one around anaerobic digestion and one around the contaminants of concern. And we run those here coming up in September and October, and we really are drawing it on a national level. So it kind of mm -hmm. gives a little bit of a focus through that lens to then highlight what we're doing here in Milwaukee. And and as Paige said, there's also the great interaction and the interdisciplinary efforts around the industry-university partnerships. And, you know, we have great partners with UWM. One of our faculty spent six months down there trying to expand his potential capabilities for research with technologies that 
they were gracious to host this work down there. So um, there's a lot of obviously partnerships that are just I think starting to pay off in big dividends. Excellent. And Dr. Plum. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> you know the uh, the term the, the Silicon Valley of water gets thrown around a lot. That's an overused term, clearly. But obviously, you don't have the Silicon Valley of anything unless you have a Stanford and a Berkeley, and that's the role that UW and Marquette, and actually all of UW system uh, intends to play. We have a proposal <clears throat> called the Freshwater Collaborative of Wisconsin before the state legislature mm -hmm. now to create that sort of coalition collaboration among all 13 UW campuses uh, focused on freshwater. Um, uh, our students, uh, we're a graduate program only at present, although we are going to add an undergraduate program. The only school of freshwater sciences in the country, we're very proud of that fact. Uh, 97 plus percent of our students get positions in, uh, Margaret works for Sam here, she's one of our graduates. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Uh, and we are very reliant on the federal budget. Um, probably 75% of our research is funded through federal grants and contracts. Uh, we have close partnerships um, with uh, several federal agencies and federal scientists uh, at the school, including the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Aquaculture, uh, U.S. Geological Survey, NOAA, um, EPA, that's their home port for their research vessel. Um, and our scientists uh, obviously study a whole variety of things, and, uh, you know, from Great Lakes science to, you know, things along contaminants. Um, I'll just highlight a couple. One uh, a program that one of our scientists, Rebecca Clapper, is involved in is an is a NSF-funded center for sustainable nanotechnology. She's the only biologist with a bunch of chemists. And so, uh, but they're looking at green chemistries for these kind of things because many of these compounds we use uh, have no, they usually don't get any environmental vetting before they're used. And so trying to get out in front of that and looking at the chemistries of these things. And so uh, we also have the Great Lakes Genomic Center, which uses modern biotechnology uh, to, to answer what the biological impacts of these things are. So. Um, <clears throat> we have a variety of, a wide variety of, uh, um, and I should also invite you to visit the lab and go out on the research vessel at some point. We're the only institution in the Great Lakes to operate a research vessel on the Great Lakes 12 months of the year. So. Wonderful. Thank Very you. Yes, thank you. Um, and with the presence that um, both universities have right here at the Global Water Center, the interaction with um, the students, our uh, through accelerator companies, uh, things come up all the time that would not happen um, in, in any other setting. Right. Um, back to the, the brew, I do want to also uh, provide Rick a chance to talk about DMRI. Sure. Hello, my name is Rick, and I am president of DMRI, and uh, me and my two partners are former Motorola people, and we uh, are working on using uh, natural ways of killing bacteria in in water, we uh, are using metals such as zinc or copper. Uh, are you familiar with the term "born with a silver spoon in your mouth"? Mm -hmm. Do you know where that term actually comes from? Mm -mm. During the turn of the last century, people that had the plague had that silver. They would have their children sit with a silver spoon in their mouth in order to, to ward off the plague. And so, it's a natural way of killing bacteria without uh, using uh, nasty chemicals in order to do it. And it's also a uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they make baby rattles out of silver back then, too, so that the babies would put the silver in their mouths, and a little bit of that would get into their bloodstream and protect them from the plague. Uh, and so, uh, 
Not that I recommend that you put silver in your right mouth. Right. <laughs> That's, that was an overview. Actually, uh, what we do is we have a, a, a powder that can be put into polymers, and then those polymers can be molded into different shapes, and they could also be used as, as a sanitation device for killing bacteria um, again in water without, uh, without leaching anything into the water system. And so we're very proud of our technology and excited to work. We're working uh, doing some research right now with A.O. Smith. We've done all of our uh, water um, testing and all of our water um, um, validation stuff has been through the University of Whitewater in Wisconsin as well. With, uh, several undergrad students that have done a great job of uh, following up and, you know, and learning about these uh, issues. Um, when you're looking at, did you say zinc and copper are mm -hmm. two ways? Um, what sort of scale are you looking at? Are you looking at um, uh, things, you, you know, at, at the sink in a home, or are you looking at a port where ballast water is being? Yes. Both. Yeah, so oh, what, that's what's interesting. About <laughs> our materials. We put about one percent of our zinc or our copper uh, into the polymer system, and it's scalable. The effect I can give you that. That's one of some of the. Uh, size of the pellets there, uh, oh you know, that uh, we can range the size of the pellets, but we can, uh, hmm. the, the, so we're only limited by the vessel that we're, uh, uh, you know, putting our materials into. And, okay. Uh, obviously, you'll see that there's bigger and bigger vessels, and we're able yes. to oh. accommodate those uh, yeah. very easily uh, and very inexpensively as well. And our, but again, we're not leaking anything into the water system, so that's one of the, the benefits of our materials. One of the um, places I visited uh, in my travels around the state during this recess was um, a, an applied ballast water um, where they're trying to see what works to get rid of nano-sized, no, I, that's, not a, yeah. that's not a scientific <laughs> term, but my, microbes. microbes. Um, uh, located uh, and, and operated by uh, UW-Superior in um, Superior, the Twin Ports there. They're trying to replicate um, uh, like what the inside of a, a vessel would look like and how you could harness something in there. And they're just trying people's ideas out. Okay. So, you know, I think they'd be a key part of the yeah, no, coalition system, that yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Love yeah. your phone. <laughs> <laughs> we, <could. laughs> we can all. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and finally, Doug, I think uh, last but not least, <laughs> around the table, uh, corn cob. Sure, sure. Uh, we have a lot of corn in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So that's where the name comes from. Um, in uh, 2014, we came up with an idea of uh, keeping membrane filtration clean, uh, essentially, over time. So we've been uh, trying to commercialize this uh, technology. It's called a dynamic membrane because we spin the membrane to keep it clean. And uh, we are in Wakisha. We have wobble seven people now, <laughs> and uh, uh, we have uh, the first uh, installation in Monroe, Wisconsin. Uh, 
processing D chip uh, from the landfill. Okay. Yeah, and uh, people are talking about making beer out of it. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> um, There's a brewery right there. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so our technology essentially kind of uh, reduce the almost ten steps in typical wastewater treatment down to just two steps. Mm. We just filter because we are able to keep the membrane clean all the time. So that is what we are uh, trying to do. And as a new small guy, we have big brain. <laughs> That's called yes. changing water, changing lives. So, so if I if I if I centered, I mean, so this event's a nice advertisement for the Water Council, right? We yes, bring academia <laughs> with large manufacturers with uh, new companies and new technologies, and so with this group, why don't we kind of throw it all to say, with with you going back to Washington D.C. and and working on different legislation, what from the panel that we have yes. here today, what should the senator be thinking about? What should we be trying on a federal legislation perspective that maybe we're not doing yet today? So I, anyone can uh, can jump in. I'll be quick. Paige. <laughs> um, I mentioned it towards the end of what I was saying, but I think I see it in the, it's kind of part of a, a, a bullet point, a pillar of the, the recent Water Acceleration Technology Act uh, is to kind of influence policy. So I think there is a big component to that. And, um, and maybe some of the other accelerators can to, uh, relate to this component that while we see the issues and we talk to the potential the customers and we kind of understand the market, the market need, sometimes there are those policy uh, kind of obstacles that come about because whether it's with the EPA or other regulatory agencies, uh, it's difficult to move the table, the needle on that to get innovation to kind of influence policy. There's that constant um, chicken and egg, does technology influence policy or does policy influence technology? And so with a lot of people you know, here trying to, to move the needle on technology and really work on innovation, and innovation that is not just because it's cool, but because it's really rooted in what the water industry and utilities need, mm -hmm. um, having policy keep in step with that, yeah. that's a really big component. And that's a huge thing to mention, so it's difficult to even narrow it down to a couple things. But I think having a greater level <coughs> of discussion between those two components and maybe decreasing the lag time between mm -hmm. policy that's really responsive to innovation to those needs in the water industry. I echo that too. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Because uh, yeah, it takes two, almost two years to get an EPA approval in order for to get these innovations into the field, and uh, it's extremely expensive for, for small companies to be able to have that kind of time to wait for that to get into the as a policy. Is, uh, Challenge for big companies too. And beyond that, technology adoption in this industry tends to be very slow. Right. Yeah. There's 50,000 utilities, and most of them are small towns that don't have a lot of money, don't understand the right. technology, and they will move slowly unless there's a really strong incentive mm -hmm. to go fast. Yeah. Right. And the solution really comes across, and you, you heard knowledge of it. Education, I think, is one of the most critical things that this whole water council has really been focused around. Consumers know they have problems with their water, whether it's lead, PFOA, wastewater issues, but they really don't know what the real issue is, and there's a whole lack of education. And I think that's something that uh, policy at the federal level can handle. Mm -hmm. From that education, then we can start to figure out solutions where we can help consumers, municipalities, whomever, to create the right solution. Because there's a myriad of solutions from 
changing out your mains to your laterals all the way down to a countertop water filter that solves your problem. Mm -hmm. But what it comes down to, people don't know what the real problem is and what they're up against. So that's first and foremost, I think, where uh, uh, health, federal help can help a lot. Yeah. I'd like to see a little protection, standard protection of groundwater across the United States. Wisconsin does a very good job, okay? You get an A+, plus, but not all states have it, okay? Even like with well caps, you know, well seals. Anything that gets done that well contaminates the aquifer, and uh, that's not uniform across the United States. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, which of course has been a struggle in the federal budget, and I appreciate your support for that. Um, and I think the recognition that the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative has to go from being an initiative to a program. I mean, we have mm -hmm. followed the system for over 100 years. We are not going to turn the corner on this program. Um, $300 million a year at a time, and anytime soon. And so one of the things I think as, as a society, we ought, to, we ought to establish a target date where we say we're going to get out of the restoration business and be in the protection business. Um, I'm suggesting we, they set that date around uh, 2040. We can debate what that date is, it could be 2050. And we can debate what restoration means because you're never going to turn the clock back on this system. Um, uh, but on the other hand, at the same time, as I mentioned, you know, we live and breathe at the federal budget. Uh, and um, in terms of research dollars, because that really, the research is what supports the, the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative in terms of where do you get the most bang for your buck, in terms of what actions can you take that will restore the environment, not just today, but as, this cl as climate changes and the system changes and our big changes coming. Um, and also, what gives you a permanent fix? You know, you don't want to be, you know, we do it over and over again. So, um, support for that initiative, I think, yeah. is critical to this region. And we can afford it. I mean, we're the third largest economy in the world, $6 trillion. Um, so $300 million a year is nothing. And it's not enough, actually. Right. So. Just as an update on that legislation, um, prior to our taking recess, um, uh, three of us reintroduced uh, uh, the um, Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. Um, for the first time, we have bipartisan support for a significant increase in funding from the $300 million level to a $475 million level. And we are hoping that that will um, grow. Uh, the, um, I, I love the idea of changing the name from initiative to program. It's sort of like this isn't just sort of a, we'll do it from time to time. But, um, and then our appropriations process is going to be in uh, hopefully at full speed when we return in September. So um, I know on the House side they have upped it from 300 million to 320 million. Hopefully we can do the same in the Senate and start a commitment to um, gradually increasing the commitment to um, the Great Lakes restoration in that, in that time period. Now, one of the interesting conversations I had um, in my travels uh, during the recess was um, GLRI applies to the Great Lakes Basin. Um, and probably most people know where the Great Lakes start, but they don't know where the Great Lakes Basin 
ends. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's quite close to the Great Lakes, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's, so it doesn't cover huge portions of Wisconsin where there are still, you know, it, so I, I've had somebody uh, raise to me the prospect of does there need to be a, an inland counterpart, I don't know what we'd call it, but you know, um, that helps uh, with the sort of dedicated um, funding stream with some of the issues that aren't in the basin. So you hit right on it. Um, so I actually volunteer with Milwaukee River Keepers, which has a nice home yes. down in your facility. And it's amazing that how much the Milwaukee River drainage basin covers, and then you go one street over, and then you're into the Mississippi River with the Rock River system. So it kind of gets me always thinking about how are we engaging, you know, the strong land ethic that Wisconsin is founded on yes. to get ecosystem services restored. And that's really where you're going at, instead of being preventive, is how do we be proactive in this to engage our farmers and, and local communities to really look at what the ecosystem services can be doing, just simple not really technology intensive, but just the way that we approach the problem. And it's amazing how many people come mm -hmm. out, you know, my wife and I are doing it, and just say thank you. Because they're really worried about the stream that's running through Cascade, Wisconsin. Right? Right. The town, right? The river runs through it. Um, so there's that backbone, and I don't know if we're really leveraging that enough to enable mm -hmm. the, that community grassroots movement to take traction. There's a lot of yeah. farmers that do some heavy lifting out in those communities because of that land ethic. Mm -hmm. and, that, and like you say, that all gets out to the western border to the Mississippi. Yes. I, I will I keep like name dropping legislation that I've offered, but I'll add another one to the mix that uh, one of my early, uh, you know, let's say light bulb moments is sort of obvious about the state if you've grown up here is that so many of our communities were founded where they are because of the waterway, whether it's an inland lake or an inland river. Um, and they were developed in the mid to late 1800s on those waterways as working waterways. And whether that meant that was used for sending logs down to a lower part of the state or um, just convenient disposal of wastes before we knew as much as we do today, um, that was sort of the, the fact. And a lot of that 100 plus year old infrastructure sometimes still exists even though the businesses have moved, the um, community would like to sort of become water facing rather than think of it as the workhorse in the back. And, um, and yet, like these uh, 15,000 utilities in the state, um, these communities are often insufficiently funded to comprehensively plan uh, the vision for the future of their waterfront. So what sort of opportunities, the question I asked initially was what sort of opportunities are there for um, intergovernmental collaboration where you have some of the experts in all of the facets of that to be able to help a small community that doesn't have a grant writer, doesn't, you know, they have the, the administrator, <laughs> that's it. And, um, and then if they do that comprehensive planning, sort of jumping to the head of the grant, you know, they're all applying for a grant, but this community has gone through that comprehensive process of, of looking at their waterfront in, in a, a way. So I'll call the waterfront com um, communities uh, 
Resilient, uh, Revitalization and Resiliency Act. <laughs> Take a look. Um, on, uh, um, so, so if I may, on, on this please. one here, um, what, what Ken mentioned, it's 50,000 utilities oh, around, the country, around the country in the United States. And, and I think one of the interesting okay. things about water that's a little different than energy and other things is it's so local and it's so very different, yes. right? And, and so as Sam was talking about, you know, the federal government may be doing something on education, one idea that we had that you may want to think through is um, the consumer doesn't know. We did a study and they're, they're, mm. they just don't understand what water quality is because they can't see it. We make water heaters. You know when your water heater doesn't work, you have cold water. With, with, with water quality, it's hard to determine that. Mm -hmm. um, so one thought is maybe as houses turn over, they're sold. Maybe, you know, sometimes we, we require lead paint testing. Maybe we should in, enact something where at every time that a house is sold or built, there has to be a water quality test done mm -hmm. so that that consumer knows what they're getting into. Because one region's lead, one is PFOAs, one is bacteria. It's, it's all over the place. Um, so, it, it, and then with those tests, maybe you require them to send them in. So we start getting a global or a countrywide database for mm -hmm. folks to be able to determine when they're moving into a city or moving into a region. Because if you're on, in, in Milwaukee, Sam tells me this all the time, you know, Brookfield's a lot different than Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and so how do, we, how do we get that knowledge to the consumer and maybe enacting that? Now, there's ramifications from that, and mm -hmm. we'd have to work that out. But um, we, we think that giving the consumer, the homeowner, that knowledge might be worthwhile. Yeah, the state yeah. response yeah. requires radon tests and things like that. So yeah. uh, why not water tests for yeah. All right. Well, I, I have the headlines here in terms of the things that um, you've raised to my attention. Um, I have followed uh, federal approval processes in different arenas, like FDA, for example. It sounds like you're saying EPA has the same uh, lengthy timeline. I don't know how much of that is insufficient agency um, human resources and other resources and how much of it is just taking care to make sure you don't miss anything and do anything wrong. Um, but I'd love to figure out a way to continue that dialogue. Um, and it might be, it sounds like a very appropriate um, uh, matter for additional hearing and attention. Um, we oversee these agencies. We right. should bring them, uh, bring them out. The, um, I was certainly going to look at some more um, uh, options on the education issue, um, already updated on GLRI, and intriguing to think about a national, um, a national regime to protect ground, groundwater. That's what you said, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of different colds, a lot of different states. Yeah. Uniform. Yeah. Um, or a minimum standard, at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. Let me ask uh, maybe a closing question on those who are developing the detection technology or sensor technology. Um, sort of, how far are we from? Um, uh, I, I won't say affordable, but something that's rapid and that 
figures out any possible contaminant that we know of today. <laughs> the unicorn. The, the unicorn. Like the right. There's a lot of technologies ranging from complex things we do in the laboratory like they have right. here. There are companies, uh, I'm sure all of us have things going on in our research, but the ability to do heavy metals testing, things like that. We're within a few years, I think, of what I'll call realistic, real-time type of testing, but um, affordable is, is, is all in the eye of the beholder. Right. That, that's the difficult part there. But uh, um, I know we're working on that technology. We've heard a couple other guys are. So there's still a few years off for that real-time testing. But mm -hmm. The new technologies and, and things like that have really accelerated just in the last couple of years. Well, and it will be big-time money. Right? Yeah. When we get to the point that that's developed and you talk about rolling out, it'll be eye-popping. Unless it takes eight of the ten steps out of, well, that's treatment, but I <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Um, yes, go ahead. I was going to say, so as we break um, here, I, I'd say one advertisement again and one mm -hmm. encouragement. Let me start with the encouragement. Thank you for what you're doing on the water side. And, and you're becoming, you know, a countrywide um, advocate of these items in, in, the, in uh, the Senate. Um, and we, as the Water Council and the industries and universities uh, in, in Wisconsin, applaud you for that. And we think it's great that you're getting that mantra of, of, of being that expert. Um, and then the advertisement is the Water Council and us around the table want to be a resource for you. Um, so call upon us in any way, shape, or form. We want to help advo uh, advocate for you um, and provide you with the information you need uh, to make good decisions in Washington, D.C. Well, I'll advertise back that the Water Technology um, Acceleration Act was that sort of partnership right. of, of um, industry and entrepreneurs informing uh, policy. Mm -hmm. It's got to get through yes. in its entirety now. Yes. <laughs> and we'll help you. Great.